It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux. And today, joining me for episode two, we have the regular crew. Shelly Straight of the Dynasty Guru, Over the Monster, and Pitcher List. And we have Bob Osgood of the Dynasty Guru and Over the Monster. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Um, I am excited to be talking about what is my favorite level of the minor leagues tonight. We're going to be talking about Double A Portland. Um, man, I am just so excited for this episode. Um, Bob, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Jake. Thanks for asking. Ready to jump into Double A. Um, I agree. There's a lot of exciting players here. Um, you know, as we kind of go down the the minor league list, this is definitely has been circled on my uh, on my calendar to talk about these players. A lot of lot, it's a good group here. 
Yeah, it really is. Um, Shelly, you live in Richmond, so uh, Flying Squirrels, that's uh, San Fran AA? It is. It is a, a San Francisco AA, so we do get a few, you know, you know, Portland games down here in Richmond, and whenever they're in town, you definitely know I will be behind home plate. Nice. Gotta love that. Absolutely. Double A baseball is just a gem. Um, so today, the show rundown, we're going to be talking about some news and notes, getting you updated on how some prospects are doing in spring training. Um, we're going to get to some wild MILB rule changes, and um, then we're going to run down the actual lineups as projected by SoxProspects.com. All right, let's get into it, guys. A uh, little bit of maintenance and reminders before we get started. Um, you know, this is a new show for us here at Over the Monster. So if you like the show, uh, please go on and um, rate, review, follow. Um, you can follow the show. You can subscribe to it. Um, you can give us a five-star review as well. We definitely appreciate that. All you have to do is look up the Over the Monster podcast on anywhere you're getting your podcasts, and it'll come up. And if you press that subscribe button... Uh, you'll be subscribed to not only this show, um, but you'll be subscribed to the Red Seat, the Over the Monster podcast, and the Precap show. Um, so all of those will come right to the same stream. All right, news and notes, guys. We had some pretty big news coming up. First, we're going to lead off with some bad news, though. Brian Mata uh, is dealing with a partially torn UCL. He's going to go the old rest and rehab route. Um, which I, I feel like he should be talking to Garrett Richards about how that went for him. But um, what are your impressions on the Brian Mata situation? Is this what you think he should do? Or do you think that, you know, maybe he should go a different route? Shelly? I mean, I honestly think that he should probably go a different route. Again, just like you said, um, maybe needs to have a heart-to-heart uh, with our new signing Garrett Richards. Um, yeah, just seeing this, just, just like, it was just, you know, a, a knife to the heart. I mean, I was always, like, a big Mata fan. I mean, I like what he's done, He, but he always dealt with injury. I'm like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. It's just little things here and there, whatever. Um, but a partially torn UCL, right? Like, that's, that's gonna knock him out for a while and just knowing that he's going the rest of rehab it just it really makes me sad i'm like i'm sorry dude um you might need to go for the whole year tj thing um and just maybe you should just go ahead and get it done um there's been very few pitchers that have been able to pitch with a partially torn ucl um i mean just I guess the only guy that I could honestly think of is uh, Tanaka, you yeah. know, with the Yankees. Um, and outside of outside of him, I don't know who has been able to pitch with a partially torn UCL. So, you know, seeing him go the rest of rehab route, I'm just like, you're just delaying the inevitable. I mean, I would not want to go through that rehab, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, Brian, you might just want to go and get that done, sadly. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, Bob, do you think that his decision has anything to do with the fact that he's 21 years old and, and some of these other guys that, you know, do undergo Tommy John surgery, thinking most recently about Chris Sale or, you know, Garrett Richards ultimately trying to get it done. Do you think that has anything to do with their age or um, is this just, I don't know, being hopeful? Yeah, no, I I would be more inclined to try to pitch through it if I was in my 30s, especially if I you know, might only have one big contract in front of me remaining um, or just kind of concerned that it could end your career. So I would think at this age that I would be more inclined to just get it over with as, you know, grim as that sounds. And, you know, to add to what Shelley said, Richards came from, from Anaheim and that whole Angel staff has dealt with that, whether it's, you know, uh, Otani or Heaney. Andrew Heaney, uh, I know Griffin Canning is the other name along with Tanaka that came to mind that pitched through it last year, but he's still younger and it's only been one year, so that could happen with Canning eventually as well, Garrett Richards. Um, so, no, I, I would, at his age, be more inclined to do that now based on age, but, um, no, I mean, he feels a little bit snake-bitten. I feel for him the last few years has had uh, different kind of ups and downs with injuries and shoulder soreness. And it kind of reminds me of like an A.J. Puck situation where you don't know when after all of these injuries and whether he'll have the opportunity to ramp up and how many years he's in the system, whether they might just try to make him a relief pitcher long term. Uh, and I, I hope he's a starter and he's definitely young enough to, to have the surgery, get that behind him. But uh, th- there's that concern for sure. Yeah, yeah, 21 years old. I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I was I was hoping we'd see maybe even a taste of him in the major leagues this year, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be in the cards. Um, another guy we were hoping to see in the major leagues maybe at the end of this year, Tristan Casas is back in camp after having an undisclosed medical issue in which the team flew him to Boston for. Uh, the fact that he's back in camp, though, seems like that's you know a, a non-issue or at least taking care of whatever it was, so... I think we all wish him the, the best. We're going to be talking a lot of Casas tonight, so we'll, we'll kind of skip over him for now. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck, though, um, the guy who's manning first base right now while we wait for Tristan Casas to come up, uh, has four bombs in seven games. He also has nine strikeouts. So, Bob, I mean, it seems like he's living up to his three true outcomes uh, reputation here. But, you know, if he's going to keep hitting bombs at this rate, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I think so. And and just seeing the ease at which he is hitting these bombs and you, you see the, the the game power, um, the, the grand slam that he hit a day or two ago was effortless. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it has that Adam Dunn feel of a 30 to 40 home run bat that strikes out over 200 times. And, you know, it, it, he could be the type of player, especially early on, that uh, when he goes into a prolonged slump, he may lose playing time, and you'd have to ride him when he's hot. Um, so we'll see. I, I think Dahlbeck's as interesting a story as there will be going into the season uh, to see whether, you know, th- there aren't many players like that that, c- that have that kind of power but have the three true, true outcomes that you mentioned. Dude is absolutely yoked, too. Have you seen that guy's forearms? Holy shit. <laughs> I'll take a look shortly and get back to you. <laughs> yeah, get back to me on his forearms. He's, he's, he's a monster of a man. Um, Shelly, a couple arms were just reassigned uh, to, to minor league camp, a few that we're going to be talking about tonight. Thad Ward, Josh Winkowski, 
Uh, Zerman Feltman was also assigned. There were a few others as well. But uh, did any of these names uh, surprise you that they were uh, assigned to minor league camp at this juncture? Or were these kind of all names you expected to head down? Um, I guess all these names um, were um, kind of expected at this point of spring training. Um, I mean, I will have to say that all these guys can still pitch in spring training games. So them being reassigned to minor league games, I guess, or minor league camp doesn't necessarily mean anything when it comes to like spring training stuff. I'm just like, I'm, 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 when I put this on the pre-pro, I was like, I'm very curious about why they put these, they, they reassigned these guys to minor league camp. I mean, I've been a huge fan of Thaddeus Ward. We'll probably talk about him, you know, later in the pod. Um, but knowing that he, you know, didn't get any time at the alternative camp, he was one of, you know, the first guys to be reassigned to minor league camp. I'm like, well, maybe the, the you know, maybe the Red Sox don't think high, you know, highly of Thaddeus Ward as I do. Yeah, that was one of the names that surprised me here a little bit, too. The only thing I was thinking is maybe um, with the major league season being just around the corner, they just want to get more work for the guys who are going to be breaking camp with the team. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. I was kind of, I was a little bit surprised that Thad Ward uh, didn't stick around a little bit longer. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk some more Thad Ward later here. I want to get into maybe the biggest thing. We probably buried the lead here, but... Uh, the rule changes for minor league baseball are substantial. Um, so we're going to talk about those right now, and we're going to go to Bob first. Triple um, A, Bob, decided to make the bases at second and third, uh, first, second, and third, actually, all larger, going from 15 inches to 18 inches. Why would they do this? What's the, what's the point here? What do you think they're attempting? I think this combined with... Another item we'll talk about in a second with the pickoff attempts is just trying to increase, um, you know, interest in stealing bases or, uh, you know, th- those attempts have kind of gone, uh, have decreased for the last, I don't know exactly, but five, ten years. It just seems like uh, that there's less interest in that and more kind of on base and trying to hit a home run ball after that. Um, so I feel like it's to try to entice teams to to steal bases more often. Um, it's combined with kind of some pickoff changes as well that when they tested that out in some of the lower levels, it increased um, stolen base attempts by 70%. So that combined with, even if it's just half of a, a foot of 90 feet in between the two bases is, you know, obviously a difference between safe and out in a lot of cases. So I think they're trying to uh, entice teams to, to, you know, increase and I think it will we'll we'll see that with certain prospects that might have more interest, speed prospects or um, you know that aspect of the game that could become more interesting if this is something that that goes into place if it's successful and goes into place over the next year, uh, whether that be in the the labor agreement that's upcoming, um, it could make different players more interesting than than we were expecting previously. Yeah, Jaron Duran has to be licking his chops right now, seeing that those bases are going to get a little bit bigger. Um, right. I'm shocked that 
just the the three inches uh, would would increase that that much. I mean, is, am I missing something with that, Bob? Is is that really yeah. such a big deal? So it, it's kind of both things combined. It's that along with um, the pickoff attempts. So to get into that a little bit, um, it would be that the, the pitcher would need to step off to throw over, um, which essentially penalizes these left-handed pitchers that had such an advantage, the Andy Pettits of the world, um, really for the eternity of baseball, um, that that rule has been in place. So, uh, you know, that when you're a base runner and there's a left-hander on the mound, you have to wait that extra split second for them to definitively go to the plate. And that would be out of the game, and it's going to be in the minor leagues uh, for a trial run, uh, along with even, you know, the the step-off, snap throw over to first that the lefties are able to do. Uh, that would be removed as well. So it's more, you know, about that rule that would increase um, by 70% that it, w- it was more of that. But, you know, the, the combination of the two would, would both be in play. Yeah, and just to, to set the record straight, so it's just going to be the larger basis at AAA. The step-off rule isn't going to be in effect uh, until or it, it'll be in effect at, at high A, right? So right. That'll yep. be a lower so it was a level lower level, level than that that they had tried it before. Okay. Um, double A has something extremely interesting happening as well. Um, this, this one probably interests me the most because I think it's the, the thing that I dislike the most about baseball, um, defensive positioning, particularly the shift. Shelly, what is going on with, uh, double A? How are they trying to uh, experiment with eliminating effects of the shift? Yeah. So this is kind of this. This kind of rule change is kind of split between um, one half of the year and the other. So the first half of the year, um, all infielders basically need to be on the infield dirt, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that there needs to be... It's, it's not trying to put players on a specific side of the dirt. So I guess technically you could have all infielders on the um, right side of the dirt, right? And none on the left, if you wanted to. You wouldn't want to, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, yeah, though. You, you could do that. Um, so basically, you could still, quote-unquote, do some type of shifting, just as long as you're on the dirt but then you know mlb will look at kind of things that are happening in the first half of the year and then they might make another change which would basically say that you need to have two infielders on each side so that would basically eliminate the shift in 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 theory um so this is honestly this is the biggest rule change when i looked at this i was just like i don't like this uh because it just really limits uh you know defensive shifts and all this stuff like all this defensive stuff that teams have done right so it really honestly it helps you know batters that can't quite beat that shift so i i I, i'm just not a fan of any type of defensive alignment stuff because like if uh, you know if a team wants to just put everyone on the right side of the field whether it's you know third baseman shortstop 
right uh, left fielders. Do they want to put them all over there? I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't. I I I don't care if they put them all over there. If they want to do that, you know, let them set do the that. tone. Yeah, I like that, Shelley. That's a strong <laughs> take right there. Um, you know, one thing that I find interesting about this, and the shift pisses me off sometimes, just because I don't like the lack of athleticism that we have at second base right now. Um, yeah. We've talked many times on different podcasts about how how sexy Pedroia's defense was and the plays that he would make over there and, you know, seeing Michael Chavis's shape uh, playing at second base last year was just not what I was looking for. And um, I do think that there is something to bringing back the hyper-athletic second baseman um, and in using that guy to cover the ground. So I like that idea of bringing some athleticism back into the game through that. Uh, but I also see your point to, uh, about, you know, the fact that, you know, you get a pull-heavy hitter up there who just can't beat the shift because he's just not a good enough hitter to beat the shift. But, uh, you know, you're letting that guy get hits. But at the same time, that was baseball for 100 years. Um, that that guy was able to get that hit. So I don't know. I I guess I'm very interested to see how this plays out. This is the one I'm like, all right, I got to see the first half rule. I got to see the second half rule. And maybe I'll end up really liking it. I don't know. I don't know. what. what do you have a, a thought on this, Bob, too? I, I know that this is probably the hottest topic, so... If you got something on this one, I'll, I'll hear it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of straddle that line as well on this t- topic. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, in any sport, you play a specific defense against a specific player to take away their strengths, and that's just how sports work. So I wouldn't be in favor of banning it entirely, but there's certain pace of play things, you know, that... You know, if we can get a pitch clock and there's a certain amount of time that everybody needs to be in place by and the pitcher's throwing the ball and the batter's in the box, I'm all for that. And then they have to stay there for the entirety of that at bat. I don't want people running back and forth with two strikes or or anything like that either. So I don't want shifting, slowing the game down, but I think there's a place for it in, in some capacity. All right, all right. Um, hi, A, the step-off rule. Um, this one's interesting. Bob... Uh, you talked about this a little bit. This really affects lefties, though. I mean, more than anything, it seems like, if anything, lefties have gone from having the advantage, a huge advantage, to having potentially a disadvantage, in my estimation. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly what's happening. And, um, you know, I, I think an underutilized play has always been a, a righty having the, the ability to do the same thing at third base, and you rarely see it. Um, it really, it, 99% of the time that you see a move like that, it's going to be a lefty, and they've perfected that, and it's a huge aspect and advantage of being a left-handed pitcher. Um, I don't know. It's just part of the game for me, and it's been part of learning how to be a base runner and it's just a nuanced rule that I always had thought is, is pretty cool about baseball. So I, I'm not in favor of removing that and forcing people to step off. It, that takes a long time to, as a right-hander to step off, turn, throw to first, 
you'll never be able to pick anyone off again as a right as a right-handed pitcher specifically um <laughs> the, the amount yeah. of time that you would have to turn you know so um yeah i guess it would affect both sides more significantly the left-handers but i i, I like this idea the least out of anything we're talking about here so shelly with this rule are we gonna see uh guys with michael chavis's body steal like 30 bases this year in high a especially with that catcher defense <laughs> Uh, yeah, you honestly, you really honestly will. Yeah, just looking at just just really advanced uh, batters taking advantage of subpar catchers in the lower minors. Yeah, you'll probably see um, the the stolen bases kind of like shoot up, right? And I'm just like, yeah, it it's really just yeah. All these rule changes are just really just gonna just really mess with everything um, that we do, you know, looking at minor leagues stuff. Shelly, I love how you've become the, like, get off my lawn person with all these rules. <laughs> it's uh, the your, your take of, of get away from my game, it's perfect how it is, is, is quite <laughs> funny to me. It, it makes me so sad just knowing <laughs> who I am as a person and now I'm the get off my lawn person when it comes to baseball. I'm like, oh no, what have I become? <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. You, you know and, what you like. And you're getting us an explicit label on the podcast too, so <laughs> you've made a lot of progress this week. Uh, love it. Um, at, at low A, though, they're going to have a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, they're going to have pickoff limitations, they're going to have a pitch timer, and they're going to have robot umps. Um, I guess, Shelly, which one of these bothers you the most as the requisite get-off-my-lawn person? 100% it is the robot umps. Um, <laughs> I, I I like it in theory. Like, I really do. Like, yeah, I, I want balls and strikes to be called correctly when they're in the strike zone yes i want that the technology i don't think is there like what i heard you know when they were experimenting with this you know and you know uh, some other leagues and um i think at the afl especially at the afl i was hearing like from pitchers as well as batters, they were just like, this doesn't really make any sense. I'm being able to do this. I'm being able to do that. It, it's, it's honestly, it, I don't think that the technology is there to actually have this thing be a thing. Um, so again, I like it in theory, but I just don't think that the technology is there. And I, I hate that they're still trying to do this thing. Yeah, it kind of bugs me that a guy would learn the strike zone one way for his entire time, you know, coming up through youth baseball and then high school and college and minor leagues. And then all of a sudden, one year, you have this completely different zone. It's just it's weird. I don't like it. I agree with you, Shelley. Um, Bob, I want to get the glass half full take, though, on on this this stuff going on in low A. Which of these rules do you like the best? Yeah, the, I would say the pitch clock. I'm totally in favor of that. I needed to go to one minor league game to be sold on how great the pitch clock is. Um, the games fly, and there's just a lot of bullcrap that 
doesn't happen um, <laughs> down at the. So levels. now we and know the... that you are a position player, Bob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I played all over. But, you know, attending a game, there, there's less time that I'm sitting on my phone if I know that there's going to be a pitch every 20 seconds or whatever right. it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in favor of that. I'm, I agree about the robot umps. I don't I'm, – I'm on the same get-off-my-lawn level with those, but with the pitch clock, you know, keep the games moving. All the little minor things that have happened over the last couple of years to try to shorten games, whether it's the three-batter minimum or – I think that all of this can be solved with a pitch clock, and you've got players who come up through the minor leagues that are used to that. And eventually that will be the group that will be there long-term, and it won't be any different for them. So, um, you know, whether you grandfather that in with a certain group of players or <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, how you can sell everybody on it, but um, that's, that's the one I'm most interested in. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the pitch clock quite a bit. Uh, anything that speeds up the game is is good by me, as long as it doesn't fundamentally alter alter it too much. So, um, the, we are we are the get off the lawn crew as a podcast here with our game. Stop messing with it, MLB. <laughs> and we definitely don't trust robots here on Over the Monsters uh, Red Sox on Deck podcast. So, yeah, no, thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, let's get to the AA Portland lineup. Um, man, this is this is an interesting team. Um, certainly more interesting than the double A team that I last saw uh, in 2019 when I was actually able to go to the ballpark. Um, but we're not going to bury the lead here with this lineup. Um, I'm going to read you off the lineup, and then we're going to get to the gem of this team. Uh, at catcher, we have Ronaldo Hernandez, first base Tristan Casas, second base Brett Netzer, third base. Hudson Potts, shortstop, Ryan Fitzgerald, left field, John Meesis, um, center field, Jason Rosario, right field, Marcus Wilson, yep, still on the team, um, and DH, Pedro Castellanos, also feels like he's been a prospect for 30 years, um, but the guy who both Shelly and Bob, and me probably, because I won't be able to help myself, uh, are going to coo about now and just whisper sweet nothings in your ears about is is Tristan Casas. Um, Shelly, why don't you go ahead and get us started with what people can expect to see from this beautiful man, Tristan Casas. 
<laughs> yeah, it, I basically am just gonna say is, oh my my my, I like this. Like <laughs> I I I love Tristan Casas, and the more video that I look and the more reports that I read, I'm just, I, it's just really, I'm just so excited about this dude. He is a 21, uh, uh. First baseman. He's played some third, but he's basically a third baseman. But, I mean, he's a a really strong, thick, big dude, right? And he has... What he does at the plate, I just just absolutely love. Um, He he starts out, you know, with, you know, know, an OO count. Like, he's a, a, a... You know, just a nice, easy kind of uh, a crouch, right? Uh, and his swing is, is is really smooth and fluid. But what I love to see from this guy, like, when I saw this, I'm just like, OMG. Like, I just, like, this is so great. Like, when he gets the two-strike counts, like, he chokes up on the bat, right? And he, just to make contact, because he doesn't want to strike out, he doesn't want to get out, he will try to put a ball in play, right? Uh, just so he doesn't strike out. I love that. Knowing that he has that awareness from a 21-year-old, that just blows my mind. And then also, he has, you know, double plus power. Like, if he just does just BP, right? That that BP is, like, so sexy. Like, it's just going out. It's just so amazing. So he has a lot of really good things. I think he has a good head on his shoulders, when it comes to baseball, he's like, oh, I don't want to strike out. Let me just put the ball in play. Let me see what it does. I I, I am totally in love with Tristan Casas. Ooh, it's hot in here. Oh, <laughs> boy. That? Yeah, wow. Uh, Bob, how are you going to top that? That was pretty good right there. Between that that, that and, got uh, me warmed up. Between that and Dolbeck's forearms, we're getting everybody fired up today. Um, yeah. I don't have a ton to add. I think the thing that impresses me about Cassis and that I'm excited about is I think that the floor is high as well. You know, he definitely has the ceiling where he has the, an all-around game, but um, he's a very good defensive first baseman with an excellent arm, uh, especially for someone his size. I mean, like Chelly said, 6'5", 250, you know, when you, the first time that you see him uh, in the box on the field, you'll say you're blown away at just kind of the, the size, but also... Uh, that he is athletic for someone that size that plays first base, has some third base background that can play there in a pinch. Um, through 90 miles an hour, has been clocked at that before. So uh, good feet around the bag. Uh, so he's not going to be a liability on defense. And while he doesn't have base stealer speed, uh, he is a smart base runner and you know, it's going to put the ball in play, just like you both said. Um, you know, doesn't have a high strikeout rate for a power hitter. Um, you know, it seems like up and in, they say, is a bit of a hole in his swing. But he's young, and he hasn't played at the higher levels of the minors yet. And uh, is, what, just turned 21 years old in the offseason. So uh, there's a lot of time to, to fix those small, um, you know, minor details that he might have in his swing. So it's a, a ceiling and floor combination that I, I completely agree. I, I think that uh, between between him and Duran and Downs, who we talked about last week, uh, that those are three players that over the next year to year and a half, 
I think, you know, at least two of them are going to emerge into everyday players um, or at least have kind of significant roles on the team. Yeah, I mean, in terms of just ceiling, too, you talked about Casas' floor here, um, which I agree with you, Bob. I think his floor is great. Um, his ceiling, to me, is just one of the best hitters in the American League. Uh, just a true Anthony Rizzo-type first base masher, probably with more power than Rizzo. Um, I love all the things that you guys mentioned, Shelly, about the, the choking up with the bat and about how he's trying to eliminate strikeouts. He said in an interview over the offseason that his idol is Joey Votto, and he tries to model his swing uh, and his approach at the plate after Joey Votto. And when I heard that, I went from like – Oh yeah, I really like Bobby Dal or uh, uh, Tristan Casas. To oh my God, I love Tristan Casas. Um, anytime you're modeling your game after Votto, you have me. Um, and and you know the the thing that Bob said that I loved is just he's right. I mean the defense at first is pretty good for a guy that size. He moves like a damn puma. Um, and and the arm at first base is just huge. Uh, he's by far my favorite prospect in the system i get the appeal with downs but to me it's not close and jaron duran i think is the most athletic player but i think in terms of just hit tool casas is way ahead and and the power is if it's not dahlbeck power it's a hair away from being dahlbeck level power right it's it's close yeah absolutely uh, jake do you, do you think we could see him this year uh, would it take an injury? I don't think it would. Honestly, I think that if if he performs at a high level at Double A, which I think he will because he's so advanced for you know all the reasons Shelley said, I could see him finishing the season in the major leagues, probably August September. I don't know. What do you think, Shelley? Do you think he can make it? I mean, I wouldn't oh, be surprised um, to see him there. Um, I, I honestly think that this team is a tad bit more competitive. They'll probably stick with their current core a little bit more. Uh, but if I am totally wrong and the, the pitching, you know, the major league pitching just totally goes in the tank, um, I could I could I could really see him, you know, getting some time in September. And oh my I would just love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's move on from Casas because I don't know if I can. I'm going to have to change my shirt if we keep talking about him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let, let's move over to catcher here. We have a couple interesting players at catcher um, for this team who, who should get a lot of time. Both Connor Wong, who I didn't mention when I read the lineup, but he's also there. And, and Ronaldo Hernandez, who was newly acquired from Tampa Bay. Um Bob, t talk to me about Ronaldo Hernandez. He's sort of the shiny new toy here. Um, what do we expect out of him? Yeah, so Hernandez came over from Tampa uh, a month or so ago in a deal for Chris Maza and Springs, a couple of pitchers that went back to Tampa. Um, it seemed kind of surprising, the return. You know, when you started to dig into Hernandez and see where he was on the prospect list, it seemed like a good return for some players that probably weren't going to stay on the 40 man um, with Hernandez, it's his power and his defensive arm um, are kind of the, the highest tools. His arm is ranked as a 70 on the 20 to 80 scale. 
Um, so it, it's not as much that um, defensively that is an issue as kind of his receiving um, and actual, you know, without robot umps, that act of being a catcher without his arm is possibly what could hold him back. Um, he might be kind of a bat-first backup catcher that could fill in a DH if his, his bat is good enough. Um, in the kind of what he's done so far, 2018 in lower A, he had 21 home runs and 79 RBIs, um, chipped in 10 steals, even though it's <laughs> he's not much of a runner, but at lower A, it's easier to steal bases. He hit 284, uh, and then in 2019, hit 265 in 103 games with nine homers and 60 RBIs. So, um, you know, he, he has a, a solid bat, solid power. Um, you know, the hit tool is lacking a little bit. It's below average, um, kind of does, doesn't walk a whole lot and has trouble recognizing some off-speed pitches. So, um, you know, he'll have to make some adjustments. It remains to be seen if he'll make it to the big leagues, if he'll be a part-time catcher or kind of where he'll end up. Um, but it's definitely interesting and it's worth a shot. It seems like they have targeted a couple of these catchers between Hernandez and Wong that we're going to talk about. Um, so that there's, there's two options. And I think that this is probably the most interesting position battle. If both players are assigned to double a, um, this spring. Yeah. Both players are very interesting, um, and, and much better than what the Red Sox had in the system before these two players were acquired. So, Definitely an area of weakness. Um, Shelly, Connor Wong is really interesting, not only because he's a catcher, but because he can move around a little bit. What kind of player do we have in Connor Wong, and how can he kind of come out on top in this situation? Because I think he's probably looked at as slightly worse prospect than Ronaldo Hernandez, but I think there's also some potential for him to end up with you know, more time at catcher. Yeah, yeah, I was I was really excited um when Connor Wong was, you know, you know, he came to the org. I mean, he was part of the Mookie Betts trade and at the time, um the catcher uh position, especially in the minor leagues and especially lower minors for the Red Sox were extremely extremely like bare bones. So I'm like, okay, this is our maybe our you know, backup catcher of the future. Like, I didn't think that he would ever really be, like, future catcher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what what kind of Wong brings is, honestly, a lot of versatility. Uh, I mean, he played shortstop in college. He's moved around the infield, and he's kind of ended up at, at catcher. So he's a very, very athletic baseball player. Um, you know, he has he has a... And I think that he could stick at catcher, but I do think that he could be, oh, I'm trying to pull up a name here, maybe like a, you know, a Kalefa of, of the, uh, of the mm, Rangers, yeah. you know, a guy who's been from, from, from catcher to third to shortstop. Like he's a really athletic guy. He can, you know, he could take some time at catcher, but maybe he could be better at other places. Um, he has a really, really, really long swing, and it could be a little bit of swing and miss there. But honestly, I just love the versatility of the dude, whether he's a catcher, whether he's getting some run at, at shortstop, at third base, he's just filling in here and there. I think he could be a really good, um, honestly, util guy. 
and um, I'm 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 hoping uh, to see him in a couple years. And uh, uh, yeah, I I yeah, honestly, the Hernandez trade like, totally changed my lookout on Wong. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think Hernandez is probably a little bit more advanced behind the plate right now. But one of the things that I just can't stop looking at with Connor Wong is is the power there. Um, his his slugging percentages um, have have gone up basically every year. Um, in the the Midwest League, he was slugging four ninety five. Moved to the Cal League in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, slugged almost five hundred over five hundred in twenty nineteen. Cal League is what it is, so you know you got to take that with a grain of salt. But then Double A for the Tulsa Drillers, he had a six oh four slugging percentage. So the dude swings and misses a lot. You you mentioned that that long swing, but also when he connects, I mean the guy can drive the hell out of the ball. So it's a very interesting profile, and you know I wouldn't hate uh, the organization developing another uh, guy with that type of versatility that can move around at different positions. I think. Clearly, uh, based on the offseason from Bloom, that's something that the organization values moving forward. So even if he doesn't end up behind the plate, um, I think he, he might end up carving out a role uh, on the team. And it's important to note that Vasquez, um, Christian Vasquez, is kind of winding down on his contract. So it'll be interesting to see if either one of those players um, could replace Vasquez. Um, what does he have? A year? One or two years, I think, left. I think two years yeah. left in his contract. It might be an option involved. But, um, you know, they, they, I'm sure that they hope that one of those players uh, can emerge for two years from now to replace um, Vasquez when he'll be closer to 32, 33 years old. Yeah, that's a good thought. Um, all right, let's get to the outfield here, Bob. Uh, two guys in the outfield who are kind of interesting. Marcus Wilson, who we thought might be a roster casualty. He's, he's going to be the right fielder for this team, we think. And then Jason Rosario expects to be the center fielder. Uh, Rosario acquired uh, last year. What kind of a player do we have in Rosario? And then, you know, do we expect any more steps forward from Marcus Wilson? Yeah, I think with, with both of these players, it's it's interesting that they're both true center fielders, that they both, uh, you look at the major league roster right now, and um, it'll be interesting to see, who can play where, whether it's center field or right field. We know Verdugo can play right. Will he be able to play center? Um, and with the difficulty of right field in Boston. So it's important to have uh, that that defensive aspect, whether it's as a starter or as a fourth outfielder, which both of these players could potentially be. Um, with Rosario, uh, he's 21 years old. He's been around for a while. He was a J2 um, signing in 2016 with the Padres where they've had a lot of success uh, with the international players. Um, and he kind of, he had he has the speed and the defense profile, and the hit hasn't really followed along with that with his hit tool. And the reports out of the instructs weren't excellent. You know, he had some moments, but I think overall they didn't see the, the advancements with his hit tool yet. He's still only 21. He's always been young for the levels that he's played at. So you look at his stat lines and, you know, they don't blow you away. But he was, you know, 19 years old playing at high A, which is where he hit 242. Um, you know, contributed some steals at 18, 19 years old, but hasn't really uh, hit for great 
average or great power. Uh, his OBP is good. He's had, you know, between 370 and 400 OBP. So, uh, you know, he's a patient hitter, but it, it'll he can be a bit of a slap hitter, and I'm not sure whether he'll be a starter. He may be more of a backup outfielder. Um, and then with Wilson, I think just kind of a note on him is that he's been pretty good in spring training. He's on the 40-man, um, so if they have an injury, if they decide that Duran isn't ready yet, in quotes, isn't ready yet, um, that Wilson might end up being able to take a spot uh, early on in the season. He's four for nine, um, but he strikes out a good amount. He has four strikeouts, and that's kind of his profile. So I just think he's a name to keep on, on your radar. You know, not a huge upside prospect, but somebody that we could see this year even early on in the season. Yeah, very interesting names. Um, certainly, you know, uh, much needed just the same way that the uh, catcher position was a little bit thin. Outfield position's a little bit thin, it feels like, for the Red Sox. So if, if they can get one of these guys to take a step forward, that would be interesting for the organization. Um, let's move on here to the rotation in the bullpen. Talk some pitchers before we get you guys out of here. Uh, rotation, uh, as projected by SoxProspects.com, Thaddeus Ward, A.J. Politi, uh, Josh Winkowski, Frank German, or Herman, I'm not sure how to say that one, uh, Denny Reyes, Chase Shugart, and then in the bullpen we have Caleb Simpson, uh, Seth Blair, Caleb Ort, Johan Martinez, Cutter Crawford, who's recovering from uh, an off-season Tommy John surgery, Emmanuel DeJesus, Rio Gomez, and Logan Browning. Uh, Shelly, I want to start with the most interesting guy here, Thad Ward. We, we mentioned him a little bit. He got some time in the spring, had one clean inning, too, when he did pitch. Um, I think he pitched a second time as well. What kind of a player is Thad Ward, and do you think that he has true rotation future potential? Um, I really do think that he has um, rotation potential. Like Thad Ward has really just been on my radar for a couple of seasons now. Um, and it, it's really funny because, I mean, he was pitching, you know, in relief in college. And I'm like, okay, like Thad Ward, okay, we, we drafted him. I'm like, okay, he'll start for a bit and then go into the rotation. But, I mean, he's added, you know, basically a cutter to his repertoire. So he has a fastball slider cutter now. And it's really, honestly, you could see him as a major league starter. Yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting him to be a number one, two, or three starter, but, I mean, if we get a number four and number five starter um, from Thad Ward just by adding another pitch, like, this is really exciting. Um, so Thad Ward, um, you know, he's 24 years old, right-handed pitcher. Um, he kind of has, like, a three-quarters arm slot. Um, he has a, a fastball that, you know, sits you know, 90 to 95. I mean, it, it's not the biggest fastball. But he added a cutter, like I said, in 2019. And it's basically just been a wipeout pitch. Um, so he has a fastball cutter. He has a slider as well that he really throws and it gets, you know, right beneath the zone to get some swing and miss as well. I mean, again, he still needs to work on uh, perfecting the combo of the fastball cutter slider. Uh, but I really do think that this is a major league pitcher here. Um, I think that 
But knowing that he wasn't invited to the alternate site and then he was like one of the first guys to, you know, quote unquote, demoted to minor league camp gives me a little bit of pause about maybe what the team thinks of him. But I honestly, I still like this dude. I I think that we have a major league starter here. And I'm hoping that all of the, you know, stuff that we're saying that he's not getting invited to, the, to a camp and he's getting debated really soon is just kind of, you know, hubbub, you know. I, I just really like that word. I am a huge fan. Yeah, Shelly, I, I agree with you and your analysis on Thad Ward. Uh, absolutely. I, I think you're you're spot on. I'm so so interested in that cutter and how that plays. Uh, he's the pitcher that I think that I'm most interested in this year, um, just in terms of wh- what he can do, what he can bring uh, in him taking a step forward. And, and just for the listeners to know, too, Shelly, that's not Shelly's stomach rumbling. That is uh, one of her two. <laughs> Uh, beautiful French Bulldogs uh, on her lap, snoring away. So, uh, Shelly, who do we have the pleasure of being joined by tonight? Is that Soto or Orsillo? <laughs> um, that's definitely Orsillo. He is not excited about this podcast. <laughs> well, uh, w- one thing we are excited about is is new addition, uh, Josh Winkowski. Bob, what can you tell us about the new guy coming over from the Mets? Yep, we'll definitely wake our solo up with this breakdown. Uh, Josh Winkowski, he was uh, originally drafted by Toronto, actually was in, involved in two trades, uh, went to the Mets, and then ended up in Boston as part of the complex Andrew Benintendi deal. Um, he has been a starter in the minors and actually has had very good results um, at each of the, the low A and high A levels. Um, and that's kind of what I like to see is that he has pitched pretty significant innings um in 2019 he was over i believe 130 innings so uh kind of has has that type of of long arm even if he's a bullpen arm um his era 278 232 319 at each of the three levels that he's thrown at in the last couple of years um he's more likely to be in the bullpen although like i said he could be someone that gives you two or three innings has a really good fastball, uh, tops out at 97. Um, I had Matt Barnes was talking about it the other day that he was really impressed with his fastball. Um, you know, said that the ball was coming out good, that it was a heavy fastball, um, and that that was someone that he was significantly impressed by in the in spring t- in spring training. Um, so with him, it's a matter of finding a second pitch. Um, you know, if you finding a third pitch. You have a chance to be a starter. He doesn't really have a plus second pitch, so we're probably talking about more of a bullpen arm. Uh, he's been working on a split finger, I guess, in the in the canceled season that we haven't seen a whole lot of. Um, but he's worked in a slider and a changeup in the past. The changeup doesn't really have enough uh, separation from his fastball, reportedly. So it'll be interesting to see if he can develop a split finger, get a good second pitch, um, and you know he's. He'll be 23 this year, so he could be within a year or two out if, if he's a bullpen arm that emerges. Well, I love the idea of a splitter. I don't think enough guys throw the pitch, so I'd, I'd like to see a good one in the organization. Um, we're going to end the show with talking about Cutter Crawford, Shelley. This is a guy I had an opportunity to see as a starter uh, in, in Portland. I believe I saw his first start up in Portland. Um, 
he throws a cutter, not surprisingly. Um, but he, he's dealt with surgery. I mean, I know that he's probably pitching out of the bullpen because he's coming off of that surgery. But, you know, what do you what do you see as his future? Is it bullpen? Is it rotation? Uh, and what does he need to do going forward? Yeah, unfortunately, um, I think um, with all the surgeries that he had to deal with, um, you know, he had to deal with uh, TJS and then, you know, a surgery to remove bone spurs from his from his elbow, you know, this, you know, this past summer. I, I, I do think that he's going to be um, in the bullpen, but even if Cutter Crawford is going to be in the bullpen, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I think that his fastball is really good, and I honestly, a guy named Cutter who has an an absolute, absolutely lethal cutter that gets a lot of swing and misses, I absolutely love. Um, yeah, so I I I do think that he's going to just be a reliever going forward. I would like to see like once um once minor league teams, I guess, are you know, uh, announced and teams are actually playing. I would like to see what the team thinks of Cutter Crawford going forward. But I do think that he's going to be like a really interesting bullpen piece, um, especially with that cutter, because I mean, I've been looking at, you know, video, especially on ILLB, you know, dot com, just like looking at video. He could be a really, really good reliever going forward. What came first, do you think? The the cutter, the pitch, or the name? I mean, I'm curious if, if cutter is like his birth name, if that's on his birth certificate. Like, what are you naming this baby? Cutter. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> Something to think about. What, what's, what's your take, Bob? You think the pitch or the, or the name? I, I think it was the nickname first, but I, I don't have a witty answer for you here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the, the name, egg. though. It's great, and it's great in Boston. Cutter. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Get get some kata while you're drinking your, your glass of cutty. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, with that, we're we're gonna get out of here and we're gonna go gl- drink a glass of cutty sark. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Bob at, at Bob Osgood fifteen. You can find Shelly at, at Shelly V underscore six four three. You can find me at, at Dev Jake, and you can find Orsillo and Soto uh, also at Shelly's account. Uh, so if you want to check those out, uh, they are wonderful looking dogs. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess anything else you guys want to plug before we get out of here? Anything going on? No, we uh, we finished up the, the ranking season at Dynasty Guru. I know all of us have been working on that for the last couple of months in some capacity. So it's good to have that behind us. And I'm looking forward to getting into some writing with some some game action um so it's long overdue ready to go that's it yeah uh shelly anything from you um not really um i have just kind of like a recurring piece um at the dynasty guru about my you know just random thoughts every two weeks um so there should there was something this week um and there should be something in a couple weeks do you think we will get an opening day photo shoot of the uh, the two puppies? A hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, 
I will have to say that Soto has his own jersey that has his name and a 22 to go with Juan Soto. So yes, there will be there will be photos. Okay, wonderful. That is what I'm looking forward to. We thank you so much for joining us today for Red Sox on Deck episode two, uh, for making us part of your routine, whether that's cooking dinner or going to the gym or listening to us on your commute. We do appreciate you carving out that time for us. And uh, if you have any questions on prospects, reach out to us on Twitter. We're happy to help you there or uh, send the question in. We'll, We'll address it right on the show. So thanks again. And we'll be with you again next week.